listening to Vet Candy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Vet Candy IRL. And I'm your host, Shannon Gregoire. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the coolest veterinarians on the planet. And they're not even in the United States. They're moms, they're business owners, and they just started a new fashion design of amazing scrubs. So they have so much going on in their crazy busy lives. And guess what? They're even from Australia. And we're so excited to have you there today. So Dr. Allison Shen and Dr. Audrey Shen, thank you guys so much for coming and welcome. Hello. Even though the time zone is a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's super late here at night. (laughs) And it's 11 a.m. in Sydney. So we're both in different states, only about an hour plane ride away, but there is a time difference already. So we're an hour apart. So with the pandemic going on, what I've heard in the news lately, it seems like some of Australia is semi-normal, but then other parts is still crazy with the pandemic. So what's going on with you guys? So we're both in different states, so we're experiencing different amounts of numbers. Um, Sydney, so New South Wales and Melbourne are having a rough time at the moment. We've had the Delta virus come in and numbers escalate. Um, We're sort of at a point now where we're focusing on double vaccination. So we're at 70% today. And so for Sydney, we've started to open up, which means that now we can actually have people to our home, which we haven't had for three to four months. And we can actually um, gather outside with a group of 20. So it's a big thing for us in Sydney. Brisbane's been a little bit luckier because they've been very good with their lockdowns and stepping on it whenever a Delta case comes through. So they actually have zero cases and pretty much things are almost normal. Apart from mask wearing, they haven't really had any restrictions over the last couple of months. But we haven't seen each other for a while. It's really odd watching Audrey and all these restrictions having like picnics outside with just five people, you know, and over here, everything's back to normal except for mask wearing. So yeah, quite, quite strange. It's a strange world we live in at the moment. So if you're sisters, Alison, do you ever take pictures of yourself and, you know, send it to your sister to make her feel bad that, you know, she has to wear a mask too? (laughs) I suppose I'm more of an introvert. I think Audrey's more extrovert. So I really like kind of you know, bushwalks and beaches and things like that. And because we're allowed to get out and about, I'm always sending like the family, the group family chat pictures of like the gorgeous beaches here in Queensland. I mean, yesterday it was like 32 degrees and sweltering hot. Whereas in New South Wales, it's a little bit of a different climate and then they're in lockdown. So I feel really bad. We couldn't travel outside a five kilometer radius. So we weren't able to go to the beach. We weren't even able to go and eat in restaurants. It's just been takeout or home-cooked meals. So whenever I get these pictures of Alison at the beach or in a restaurant, I'm just having a minor meltdown here in Sydney. Uh, you know, everything is just go home, get ready for work. And of course, work's been really difficult as well for vets in the industry in Australia. You know, we're busier than ever. We're fully booked. I think my next available appointment is in two and a half weeks' time. People are just getting puppies. Everyone's at home looking at their animals, so they're picking up everything that's wrong with them. So it's been really stressful on the veterinary community, as well as having to do things like pet only, which means we basically take the pets 
for, well, for us, because we're mobile vets, we take the pets into the van that we park outside the house and then the owner has to stay inside and we call them via phone. So just doing work every day is, is a lot harder. So you don't have to deal with quote unquote Karens. Do they even call them that in Australia or is that an American thing? Actually, I think we might have adopted that term from you guys. They like to shorten everything here. So if you're Karen, you're Kaza. If you're Sharon, you're Shaza. So um, we've got all sorts of names for clients, but most of our clients are lovely. It has been a nice change to do pet only, but as all vets know, most of it is treating the owner or, you know, a lot of communication with the owner. So we're still having to do that over phone or from a social distance outside the van. So I think it does make work a little bit harder because we're having to communicate a lot more than we actually did before. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. This program is sponsored by Merck Animal Health, makers of Novivac Feline 2 FELV vaccine, the only vaccine with proven two-year duration of immunity for feline leukemia. Novivac Feline 2 FELV vaccine also has a proven safety profile of being 99% reaction-free, available in combination with other Novivac Feline vaccines to provide a broader protection. Data on file with Merck Animal Health. Want to learn more? Contact your Merck Animal Health representative in the united states we just have so many issues with people being rude and nasty to our team members someone had written a letter to an editor in idaho in the middle of nowhere and they said can you please stop throwing your money at my receptionist and telling her to pick it up on the ground and telling you want all these records and that you're going to ruin us on social media and that if we can't fit in your nail trim in the next day, then you're going to literally just wipe us through the dirt on Facebook. It's totally irrational. Do you have that in Australia? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly do. Um, a lot of my partner hospitals, I think we're a little bit lucky because the anger stops kind of at the phone call. So we will say we can't see you or we'll fit you in after the pandemic. So the nurses kind of had that hard job of putting it down during the phone call. But in a clinic, you know, you've got the actual owner there and she's upset that you can't see her for a nail trim and they get quite aggressive. But yeah, I think the veterinary industry is going through a really difficult time. We're busy enough and we're getting really angry people because we can't fit them in for a nail trim. We've got a waiting list of nail trims for our nurses <laughs> moment that's like yeah and I think it's it's also a different dynamic of clients we have because we have we're mobile so I think they generally they want you to come to the home it's not like they've walked into your business and then they're they're unhappy so it's all pre-booked I suppose I think what we're finding a lot of is not just the puppies and kittens there's a lot of rescue pets that have been adopted we actually during the first lockdown all the rescue organizations ran out of pets for adoption they all got adopted which is the opposite to what usually occurs. But with that comes a lot of behavioral issues in these animals that, you know, maybe a first time pet owner isn't familiar with, or, you know, didn't do their research, whether the breed was correct for their household, if they had a lot of kids. So actually, I do feel like we're having a lot of that sort of follow on, like behavioral issues that we have to come out and also lockdowns, working from home and going back to work. That is quite challenging. And I think I've had a lot of frustrations with that and a lot of even teleconsults, I suppose, about. Running a business has been so weird. You know, when it first broke out and we didn't know what we were doing, 
and what was happening. And then we started to see how bad it was. You know, we quickly moved to teleconsults. I think I shut down the company for a day and then we did our teleconsult protocol thinking that's what we have to do to save the business. Then as time progressed, we moved to a pet-only concept. And I guess the lucky thing about me and Alison having a company that's a mobile vet, but also a mobile vet in a van means that we didn't have to go into homes, which is weird because you're a mobile vet and you're going into people's homes, but we don't essentially have to do that. We can literally just drive our clinic on wheels outside and then just operate like a pet only, like they've been doing at the hospital. So we were really, really lucky that we could still carry on business. In fact, the teleconsults really didn't take off. We were still pretty much doing what we were doing, but pet only. I guess we're lucky that we're still a business that can run and and still keep our staff employed. And in fact, you know, you feel really ungrateful saying this, but it'd be nice to have a day off. (laughs) Here it's taken off in the human side and then vet med's kind of trailing behind. Like everything basically on the human side is telemedicine now, unless you have to go in. But then on the vet side, like there's a lot of resistance for different states. And then the federal government lifted restrictions on the veterinary client relationships, but it's also dependent on each state. So there's eight out of the 50 that actually do let you establish that relationship, that veterinary client relationship digitally, but sometimes there's like legal issues with it. So are there are there any legal issues with, with your telehealth over there? I mean, it's definitely regulated and there are strict rules and regulations. And then obviously each company makes their own. Telemedicine isn't new to vets. I mean, the amount of times we get a client call us up for an opinion and we're like, you know, come in. We're essentially doing telemedicine every single time we pick up the phone and triaging. Every state is different, but generally you can provide a service where you speak to a client over the phone and, you know, triage, give some medical advice. But if they really do still need to go in and see a vet, you know, if it's an emergency, we will direct them there. And also with prescribing medication, there's strict laws around that. If you haven't, if it's not a client and you haven't examined the animal in the last six to 12 months, then you shouldn't and you can't prescribe any medication. If it's an existing client and, you know, it's a follow-on prescription, then that's different. So each state has their own regulation and it, it, it is tough when it's a new client because all you can really do is really triage general advice. And then if you really think it's urgent, then send them off to, you know, an after hours emergency or an emergency bed that's open. You guys are sisters, but you're twins and you're both moms and you both have two kids and a whole bunch of rescue animals. You're on reality TV, and you also opened your own scrub fashion line. So, like, how did this happen? Did it happen before COVID, like, during COVID? Like, what's happening? We started talking about it before. I mean, we've always thought we hate our scrubs. I put them on in the morning, and I just feel, like, frumpy. I don't know if you guys use that word over there. It just, it's like, Oh, you do? So like baggy pajamas. I go pick up my kids from school and my kids just like roll their eyes because, you know, everybody else is dressed nice and we're like dragging our pants, you know, down down the road. So we've always felt frustrated with the uniform. Over the years, I think me and Audrey have ordered a heap of different scrubs. You know, it has improved slightly, but it just doesn't work, particularly for our industry where we bend down, we pick up, we lift, we squat. You know, we crawl under things. We're covered in all sorts of liquids, anal glands, urine, vomit. Um, and I, I'm notorious for never bringing spare scrubs. So 
So I literally have to go home and change. So it, it's been very frustrating. So we've been, I think we've been talking about this forever, even when we owned. We've been talking about this for a long time, but we're always like, we're too busy. You know, then we had children, we're even busier. Then we opened up more business. No, there's no way. But it just got to a point that, you know, when you first graduate and you put on your scrubs and they're really ill-fitting, but you're like, wow, this is cool because I'm a doctor. Then after a while, you wash your scrubs a couple of times and then they get thin and they look like pajamas. And yes, they're comfortable, but I did start to feel a bit like a dag when I'm picking up my kids from school and there's there every mom in their sportswear or their workwear. And then Audrey rocks out the van. I look like I'm I'm in pajamas. So we started to try and look at different options. And certainly in America, there are definitely more options, but then having everything we were looking for that was hair-free, stain-free, you know, you could wash it and it would still look really nice and just a particular material. So at the beginning of the pandemic, our fashion friend, Rebecca Lau, she just sold her business. She also has two kids. And we just sat down for lunch one day and I said, oh, I have this idea, but I just don't have the time. And I actually don't know anything about fashion. And she said, I'll help you. Let's do this. I can see this is going to be amazing. You know, there's definitely a market for it. And certainly beyond vets, physios, hairdressers, groomers, dentists, um, beauticians, they're all looking for some component of fashionable wear that's also stain-proof, waterproof, hair-proof. So then she got in contact with some of her fashion contacts and they sent us a couple of swatches of material and we found our Core 21 fabric material and we just loved it. We were throwing tomato ketchup, we were spilling milk on it. We had such a ball. There's one particular thing. The one dinner party we had before lockdown. (laughs) We had a dinner party and we had a bit too much Prosecco and we bring out the swatches and we were like, find every sauce. (laughs) So the kids are running around going crazy on sugar. And there we are with tomato ketchup. We did soya sauce. We did tea. We did coffee. And we were like, red red wine. And we were like, this is the bomb. Let's make something out of this. So then we started designing. We did a couple of samples and we just loved it. And so it just evolved from there. So. It's great because we're actually making something that we want to wear. I just fitted our whole team, all our partner hospitals. We've had so many group orders and, you know, it just kind of sells itself. I think you just have to buy one, like we've had one random nurse buy one and then I'll get a call and the whole company will order it. So I really believe in the product for its its qualities, but also its design. It's like a little project to us, but I think it's become like our baby. And we do keep our hands full because I don't know what it is. We just can't sit down and just enjoy the peace and quiet. We've always got a project in the air. I mean, on top of the mobile vet and the scrub business and the TV stuff, we also run a a vet kids camp. Um, So we are always looking for things that kind of combine our love of life and being mums with two kids, you know, and having the TV piece where we get to do a bit of education about the job we do. You know, Future Vet Kids Camp is just all of that all in one. It's kids, it's education, it's sharing our love for our profession. So, yeah, we're just too busy, Alison. I think it actually encompasses us. I think when we first graduated, we're like, oh, yeah, we're a vet. I just want to be a vet. I want to be the best vet I can be. Maybe I should specialize in this side, surgery, medicine. And then as you get older and you have kids and life gets busy, you kind of just then focus on what you think is important. And if I was to summarize us, it's being a vet, being a mom, loving kids, education, And I suppose making sure that we look professional, you know, I suppose we're not particularly the most fashionable people, but certainly being on Bondi Vet and things like that made us think, oh God, I really didn't like that series where we just literally- Oh, I hated the scrubs we wore the first season. 
they were just straight up and down. And I looked at us, I'm like, we look so unattractive on TV right now. You know, that was just like the light bulb moment. I'm like, we cannot be on TV with all these beautiful people in the world. And we look like that. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy Radio delivers world-class content with engaging voices and inspirational messages curated by a network of top influencers and experts. Stream 24-7 at myvetcandy.com. They're going to be wearing, like, tailored scrubs, you know? They don't mess around, like, hourglass figure and just, like, you know, perfect on TV. But you can't do that as a regular person, you know, without a stylist. You just go to work every day. So having a fashion label, you like always have to look good, right? You can't be seen looking sloppy ever. We have sloppy days for sure. I have sloppy days. You know, there's some days at work, especially after long surgery days, you just feel like, ugh. I think vets as well. You know, you're, you're so stressed with your work. You've gone through all this study. Like looks are really the last thing on your list, you know, for us to put on makeup every day. That's an effort. It is an effort. And I always have tried to make that effort, especially now being on TV and, you know, people are starting to recognize you. You have to at least just make a bit more. Um, so I think these scrubs are game changers. Even when I put them on my staff, I was like, oh my God, you know, there's a figure in there. You look so great. And sometimes I just keep staring at myself going, you look so good. Like just not used to it at all. <laughs> Actually, what I was thinking the other day is a big thing. I mean, also probably we didn't choose the best color of scrubs when we first opened our clinic. We chose gray. Gray just drowns you out. But the other thing is we are so time poor. I never used to, and I have to wash my scrubs. They were never dried well and they always creased. So you would put on these baggy scrubs and it has like all these little creases around. I remember the logo used to always fold in half and not stick well. These scrubs, I put them in the washing machine. They come out dry. I literally just hang them up to warm them up. And then I put them on and it looks like I ironed it. It looks like it's well-fitted. It looks like it's been hanging up and straightened, but it literally just came out the washing machine. And I think in a profession, I think what people don't understand is that even though vets, you know, treat animals, we're also a professional. And it comes with a whole lot of, we need to make sure that the clients trust us. We need to show compassion we need to show, you know, love for the animal and also get down and dirty. And that combination is so hard to look good for. But trust is a big thing. If your clients don't trust what you're doing and they don't trust you with their animal, then, you know, that that's a big problem. So, And what you look like matters, right? You look sloppy and disheveled. They're not going to treat you, like, correctly. They're not going to think that you're, you know, the doctor and everything. So you got to, you know, have your professional appearance. It matters. Yeah. I mean, like GPs and, you you know, our specialists, when I take my daughter to specialists, they're in smart shirts, smart collared shirts. And then when they go to surgery, they wear scrubs. So why are vets always in scrubs? Like we're wearing the stuff that the, the surgeon wears behind the scenes when nobody's seeing him. And that's what we wear every day as attire. And it's just become the norm. And you know, initially when you get a new pair of scrubs, it looks okay. After like 11 washes, it really looks bad. It It looks thin, it looks creasy, and you've just 
you know, I just started to notice that the older we got, you know, when we were picking up kids from school, we were on TV and we just had to make that change. So like even now I'm wearing one of our scrubs, but it's designed like a collar, but it really is a scrub. So while I'm still kind of doing the normal vet attire, wearing, you know, comfy scrubs, it still just looks a little bit more professional, a bit more colored, a bit more GP-like. Yeah. Speaking of reality shows, you know, it seems like so many people are on these, like, your show even is in the United States. Like, you probably haven't heard a lot of the crazy stuff that's on American TV, but your show is so popular. Like, how is that? You know, do you like get recognized out in public? Do they ask you for autographs or <laughs> pictures? It feels so weird to hear that you watched it all the way over there. Like, I, I feel like it's just not real to us. For us, you know, I suppose we also don't have time to watch it, but it's weird when I get little messages on like DM going, oh, yes, we're watching, watching you over here in this part of the world. I'm like, really? <laughs> and then I get, oh, which episode is it? What do I look like? I sometimes feel like not much has changed because I don't remember that we're on TV a lot of the times. And when they're filming, it really is just filming what you're doing. Yes, it's a little bit more step back and explain it a bit more and repeat a few things that you do, but they are really quite conscious that it feels like your normal work day. And then they do the magic of editing that makes it look a bit nicer than your normal work day, I guess. Um, so I forget that a lot until somebody says, oh, I saw you on TV. And then I start to feel a little bit self-conscious. So I'm still in that stage where I'm not used to it. I don't really think of it as a TV show. I just feel like someone's just filmed what we did and made it into a documentary. But um, it's a lot of fun. I do. I think the fun part about it, and especially with Bondi Vet, is that they actually showcase what you do and a lot of the love of the job that we do. So Asin and I do a lot of wildlife, a lot of kangaroo work, especially during the bushfires. And they've showcased a lot of that in the last season. And I think that's important because that's a big part of our heart work. And when you've been a vet for 16 years, you've got to find the parts of your job that really reward you. And that was definitely one of the things that we wanted to feature. And the series has been really good and, and featured a lot of that for us. The bushfires happened like right before the coronavirus in like January of 2020. And then it was so crazy. We started hearing about COVID around the same time. Like, what was it like living through that? It sounded awful, like a nightmare. It felt like we didn't get a break. I think before that, we had floods. We were together in the same state. We were doing Future Vet Kids Camp in Sydney in January. And we were, we were listening to the bushfires. And in fact, a lot of the presenters that we had invited to come over and speak were involved with the bushfires. And that's how we actually managed to go in and do the search and rescue and go into places that a lot of vets weren't allowed to go into. And we affiliated with quite a lot of charities and organizations, which Audrey was brilliant in organizing. And we started off down south in a... a place called Wandandian and they had a lot of kangaroos mainly kangaroos wasn't it that's where it sort of started and then we just I think as as more people heard that we were out because we have this mobile van that can actually drive into you know where the bushfires were and treat straight away it wasn't like you had to transport it's very hard when you're dealing with wildlife to restrain them and sedate them they actually have to be darted and so having them under anesthetic for the shortest period of time and treating them on the spot and releasing them was the ideal. So then it just became an obsession. We started going to many different places and we ended up in a place called Bungador and working out of a wildlife sanctuary called Possumwood. And I'll let Audrey explain more about that because she's been heavily involved 
And she's even gone ahead and opened up a wildlife hospital in this actual sanctuary. So it's just gone from like zero to a hundred, but it did. It was, it was just so unexpected. Um, and that's the thing about vet, you know, your life can turn in any direction and you forget as a vet, you have the capability of doing all species. Yes, you might have to do a bit of book work, but you have the ability to diversify. And so when we started off doing the bushfires, I felt like it was just volunteer work and we were reaching out to help like everybody wanted to. And then as we kind of became, you know, the only vets there, what happened was coronavirus hit and all the vets had to exit. So we had a lot of international vets that were coming by and volunteering and helping us. And then literally by February, they all left. And so we ended up in this place called Possumwood, which is a beautiful macropod sanctuary. And we moved all the kangaroos in the south to this sanctuary. And the burns we're talking about were severe. They were all the way down to bone. Some of them lost nails. Some of them were burnt all over the face, their ears, their hands. So there was still a lot more work to be done, but everyone left. So then being the only bets left that were willing Mm -hmm. to drive. And it took us three hours from Sydney to drive there. So we volunteered every weekend for nine months, uh, which meant that I didn't see my kids. And we worked Monday to Friday doing our mobile vet. Then Friday night we'd drive down and then we'd stay till Monday and then come straight back to work. So for nine months, we did that nonstop um, with a brilliant team. Um, Some of my um, vets and nurses from Aussie Mobile Vet came down with me. Um, The team from Animal Rehab Clinic, Dr. Reese, he's a rehab specialist. He comes down with me every weekend. So we did that and then finally released the last of the 25 roos. I think it was in September. We were like, okay, that's it. That's the end. I can now spend some time with my kids. And then we got the request to from the sanctuary to open up a hospital there because beyond the burns and beyond the bushfires, people forget there's a lot of wildlife that needs help, Uh, especially kangaroos that get hit by a car. We get a lot of gunshot wounds. And so the sanctuary is so in need for help. I just couldn't walk away. So we built a hospital. I put it through the board. We got it registered in December, the day before Christmas. And since then, we now go down once every four weeks over the weekend. So we went down two weekends ago and we did 22 animals in two days. Is it a kangaroo hospital? Like only kangaroos? It's a wildlife hospital, but in the area, the main wildlife we see is macropods, so kangaroos, wallabies, and we also see wombats. We see a few echidnas, turtles, uh, rakalis, which are water rats. Um, So we see a wide variety, and that keeps my work really interesting. But because we're only there two, three days every four weeks, the line outside the hospital with carers in the area is just insane. So you know, we're seeing between 20 and 24 animals in two days. And a lot of them is just surgery, surgery, x-ray, surgery, x-ray. So that keeps us busy. It's all volunteer work. Everyone that comes down with us, and we always have a team that's willing to come down with us. That's just all volunteer, all heart work. Um, And that's just the side work we do that makes us feel good about our profession and, and giving back, I guess. As you get older, you want to give back, right? Is it something that's open to veterinary students too? Yeah, so I take a team down of between four to six of us every four weeks, and I try and get a diverse amount of people. So we get a lot of wildlife um, vet nurses. I have a human nurse that comes down who's also a wildlife carer. I've had um, volunteer international students come down that were kind of stuck in Australia and had to keep had to keep up their visa so they can work in a bushfire affected town. So we get a lot of volunteers. Um, we're not short of that for sure. Um, And it's just nice because a lot of them who didn't know where they were going with life have now started their journey to become a vet nurse or vet because of the work that they saw there. Um, So that's also really rewarding. 
So that's a nonprofit organization? It all ran through donations. The whole hospital was bought on donations. All our time, like my staff, we just, we don't get paid. We basically go out of pocket and just do what we can over the two days that we can volunteer out of our schedule. So yeah, definitely very heavily donation-based and we can always do with more donations. Even medical supplies, we have a few human doctors that donate things like needles and syringes and drip lines for us. Yeah. We have a couple of charities that do support us as well. Um, Vets for Compassion is a big one here. We have ARC. Animals Australia, the Humane Society. Yeah, so a lot of charities have put in, especially to build the hospital and get the x-ray machine in and the surgery table was a game changer. I was doing surgery out of a living room for nine months. The iPhone lights, because we were there till midnight some nights, you know, just trying to get through the cases. So, you know, whenever like things get tough, I'm like, do you remember we used to do it on a sofa with an iPhone light? <laughs> yeah, so stop complaining. This is great. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Shannon Gregoire. If you're like me, it's tough keeping up with everything VetMed, but now I'm gonna make your life a lot easier. Check out my show on Vet Candy TV, available on iTunes, YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook Watch. Catch up with all things VetMed with me. What is the name of the sanctuary or, or hospital? Yeah, it's called um, Possumwood Wildlife Sanctuary. Possumwood Wildlife Sanctuary? Yeah, and it's in uh, Bungendore. How do you spell that? B-U-N-G-E-N-D-O-R-E. It's a, little, it's a tiny little town on the border of New South Wales and Canberra. So Canberra's another state. It's a three-hour drive from Audrey, and it's actually I have to take a plane from Brisbane to Canberra and then drive there. And it's always a special place, actually, on the, bon- on the Bondi Vet series, this series, um, after the first lockdown, that's where the only place I could go and see Audrey again because of all the lockdown. So I flew into Canberra and surprised her in Bungador after four months of not seeing each other. So it's always going to be like a special place. It was the day the hospital was just finished being built and I thought Asim wasn't coming down. So I had a bit of a cry the night before going, I can't believe I'm doing this without her. And I rocked up in the hospital and there she was. And you can see it all over the episode. Very emotional episode. So we had watched it, but I haven't seen that one. So I'll have to start over and watch every single episode. It's a digital one as well. So even on the YouTube channel, I think it's it's in there. Oh yeah, that was such a special moment because it was the hospital. I hadn't seen it for ages. I mean, it's been crazy. The on-off lockdowns is like... You know, you can go and see someone, then you can't. You know, it's been really restrictive. So it's always going to be a special place for us, Bangladesh. It's just a beautiful part of the world. It's it's almost magical. So speaking of TV, did you ever see that movie Parent Trap where the twins actually switch places? Uh, what's her name? Lohan. Fine, American citizen. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> no, you're going to ask us what have we done similar? <laughs> no, you did? Yes, but probably we shouldn't talk about it. (laughs) Everything legal. (laughs) We have played a few tricks in our time, back in our younger years. 
and someone could be in Brisbane and the other one can be in New South Wales and you could like go and see people and sneak back in. Well, it's funny. When I used to live in Sydney, our clients used to go, I want to see Audrey Allison to the nurses. And they're like, yeah, which one? Audrey or Allison? Audrey Allison, either one. And we're like, and we're like, don't you want to see the one that saw you last for your recheck? Oh, no, no, no. Either one is fine. I'm like, I didn't see her before the recheck. But somehow they think we share a brain. We're like, we don't, we don't have telepathic, you know, where she can transfer the medical record to my brain before I see you. I know we talk. But there actually is some truth in that. Because when we see each other, we just talk about work anyway. So I probably do. See, and we actually feel each other's pain. Thank God we didn't do that. But this is where it's going to get do 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 do. <laughs> if Allison gets kicked by a kangaroo, you're in Australia. Now, I, Audrey will get the same injury in exactly the same spot, not necessarily by a kangaroo, by something else. So if I fell down over a tree stump and grazed my right knee, Audrey might trip over a stool in the house and also graze her right knee. We have bruises in the same spot. Everything is really weird when it comes to injury. We dream the same dream. Injury and dream. We dream the, we dream a lot the same. Not every time, but sometimes we'll wake up and I'll say, oh, I had a dream about our grandma and it's a morbid dream. And then she's like, oh, I've, I've dreamt about it. And, and then we'll discuss it. And it's not exactly the same, but it's very, very similar. And when we asked our mom about it, she said, yeah, when you were younger, because we had rooms on opposite side of the hallway, she goes, because I'm, I'm a dream talker. I'm a dream talker and I'm a sleep drawler. Okay, I don't sleepwalk, I don't snore, but those are the two things that I do. And so there I am having my rant in the sleep and it's usually me screaming at someone. Now it's my kids, but back then probably Alison. And, and then my mom would stand in the middle of the hallway and hear Alison respond. And so I remember one night she said that her and my dad was sitting in the middle of the hallway, just laughing because we were literally having a conversation for hours with each other while we were completely asleep. And it still happens now because when we talk about dreams, we've had the same dream and we were both in the same dream. So we would have been talking, but we're not next to each other to really record it. You know, we had our babies, the first baby. So I have a 12-year-old girl and she has a 12-year-old boy. We were pregnant at the same time and that wasn't planned at all. My one was definitely not planned. And it was funny because we had the same obstetrician. They were due exactly four weeks apart on the same day. Um, so going through pregnancy with your twin, and we were both running the hospital at the same time. So going through pregnancy with your twin is funny because Alison being four weeks ahead of me was like, you wait, you're going to get pain here. Sure enough, we'll get a pain there. Wait, you're going to get nausea now. Yep, sure enough, have nausea. So I was just kind of relaying, you know, watching her and then following the whole pregnancy. And speaking of kids and stuff, you said... You have kids, but you also started a camp. You're supposed to like, you know, trying to make people interested in becoming veterinarians. I think you there, there is a huge vet shortage. Everybody meets somebody that says, Oh, I wanted to be a vet when I was younger. Like literally, everybody, shop attendant, everybody, right? Um, so it's not necessarily I think the camp is called Future Vet Kids Camp, and initially the concept that was set up by Scott and Andrew, who are the original owners of the camp. Their intention was to nurture that love for animals and encourage that mini veterinarian. I think as the camp is involved, we really try to introduce everything to do with the animal profession. So it's not necessarily, you know, come to the camp if you want to be a vet. It's actually nurturing the love of animals because 
kids that love animals are very unique. Kids that, you know, nurture animals or want to be a carer, wildlife carer, they're a certain breed of people. And what this camp does is all those kids that are like-minded mingle together. They make these amazing, cute little friendships that we see develop. And also it just nurtures it. Like their love of animals just grow, grows and grows. The presenters that we've got in aren't just vets. You know, we've had wildlife carers, marine biologists, physiotherapists, lots of wildlife work, um, vet nurses, vet techs. So we, we really introduce them to all of that. And at the end of camp, they may have thought that they wanted to be a vet and then they go, actually, we really love marine biology. And that's what I love about it. It just sort of opens up that world. And it also teaches them that you can be a vet but along your career, you can change and do anything to do with animals because our degree is just that amazing. So that kind of kind of nurturing that because they're only nine to 16 years of age. So they're in that really like um, period of time where you can really, really nurture that love. And so we yeah. love it. And I, I love teaching the older kids. So I tend to go to the older kids and it's a lot of fun, the program. They actually do a lot of veti veti stuff as well. So we learn about biochemistry, hematology, different diagnostics. They come into surgery with me, which not a lot of kids at the age of 16 get to do. Um, so they follow me through the journey of, you know, blood testing, pre-medding, uh, the actual general anesthetic and recovery. So they get to see that whole journey of the animal. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And we also have a really raw and honest discussion about the veterinary industry. You know, what is the pay realistically like? What is your career going to turn out like? What is a day, a normal day in the life of a vet and how stressful it really can be we talk about things like burnout, you know, emotional injury and things like that would come with the job. So it's really good to be able to pass that insight on to the older kids who are probably a bit more serious about becoming a vet. And I think the journey that Alison and I have been through, as much as I just think it's a normal life and that's our journey, to be able to tell that story to a lot of kids, I think one, it's inspirational, but two, they can kind of see, you know, all the hurdles that you do face and all the opportunities that you can go. Because We've gone from a vet to all these different opportunities and we haven't really let the bad times or the difficult times get us down. We've just picked ourselves up and, and found a new way to love the work that we do. So I think that's important. And it's just so nice to share that story to an audience that it's going to make a difference too. So that's a big part of, of why we love Kids Camp or Future Vet Kids Camp. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hi, I want to tell you about my new show, Simply Pets with Shannon Gregoire. We talk about pets, life, love, and everything in between with the coolest people on the planet. Don't miss out on the fun. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice. I've just been uh, listening to you guys talk and stuff, and it sounds like you're so busy. When do you even do you sleep? Is that a thing in Australia? I mean, you're obviously taking care of your kids, and you're not having anyone else do it, and you're working, and you're on TV. You're also saving kangaroos. What do you guys do, like, in your downtime? <laughs> if you have any, like, what do you do for, like, self-care and everything like that? And keeping yourselves happy and taking care of yourselves. Like, what does that look like? I think that's the key. And that has actually come with quite some difficulty. I mean, in different stages of my life, certain things were more important or priorities were different. 
And I think, you know, as you get older, you get wiser, as the number of commitments you have increased, particularly with kids, your time is a lot more precious. That's not to say we do it right all the time. There are certainly periods of my life where I regret and I've done it wrong. But I think it's what's right for you. Even as twins were quite different, me and Audrey, I love being mobile because that means I can fit consults around picking up my kids and dropping off my kids. You know, I'll drop them home to my husband, then I'll go out again. So that's the one, the best thing we did about mobile vetting is that it's flexible around you. That's why Aussie Mobile Vet is great. In fact, all of us are, are women in business and mums. And then the other thing is when you do have that time off is to really treasure that time off. I used to spend my time off on my phone still answering emails. And you can't help it when you're a business owner because there's some things that can't wait. But then you think back to the old days, emails weren't that accessible. You had to wait to get back into the office to Monday and then read all those emails. So it's learning to switch that off. A lot of the times I think on my weekends off between school, sport and everything else, I'll go to the beach. Like we're very beach sun sand people. And it's something about the negative ions that really calms you down. And, you know, it's like a huge playground for the kids. They can run as long as they don't drown. They can run and I can be in the sun, smelling the negative ions from the sea and then get the best of both worlds. So it's taken a while to be able to understand that that's what I have to do. And certainly there's been periods of my life where I sacrificed kids for work and sacrificed work for kids. But it's all about what works for you. And what we, what I do is definitely different from what Audrey would do. Audrey's lucky because her husband works from home for Future Vet Kids Camp. So he can do all the school pickup and school drop off. And that works so well for them. So it really just depends on what helps you out and, you know, making sure you do have those little holidays in between and breaks. Although COVID has made that very, very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everyone is also different. So when you say time off, you know, like, yes, we do squeeze a lot into a day and I probably have much less time off compared to other people. And as Asin said, when you have that time off, realistically, it's Sundays and Mondays for me. You know, it's really hard to sometimes just put out, put down the phone, don't check the email and try and enjoy it. So it's something that we're still working on all the time. But we're so lucky in Australia, you can go for a walk by the water, you can go to the beach and you feel like you're on holiday. So we really have very valuable time off, be it short. And then I guess, you know, when you say, how do you keep your life in balance and how do you find time for yourself? I'm a, I'll admit a workaholic. I love work and work is part of me. And so even, you know, on a Thursday morning off, if I have it off, you know, I will still probably do a little bit of work because I find that enjoyable, but I'll do that while having a cup of tea or having Netflix on in the background. And that's my way of of relaxing. But then again, it also all comes down to, you know, your kids and whether you've got a partner that's supportive. And I'm really lucky that my partner can do all the pickups and the drop-offs. And, you know, having a three-year-old is not the easiest thing in the world. I say, as he's on the sofa watching his iPad at the moment. (laughs) Um, But you make it, you make it work. And yeah, I think being in Australia is, is one of the best things we did. It's like a massive playground for kids as soon as you walk out your stressful office, you can feel like you're relaxed because, you know, you're by the beach and the sun is out and it's just beautiful. And also I have my personal psychologist, my twin, <laughs> and my best friend who's my twin. This morning we already had a, like a massive event and then we were fine. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a friend that can't leave you. <laughs> Since you're the same DNA, you understand each other. You probably don't even have to say anything. You just like know that the other one's upset. You'll find this with your twins. Everyone's like, what is it like to be a twin? Well, what is it like not to be a twin? I wouldn't know. But now that we're older and I can see our friends dynamic, 
you know, being a twin is really, really special, especially if they have a close relationship. And that's not to say me and Asin don't fight because we're so similar. Yes, we fight a lot, but, you know, Asin can pick up the phone and within the first 20 seconds before she talks, I already know that she's upset. And I already know what I need to say to calm her down because it's exactly what I need to say. And we can be brutally blunt. Like sometimes I go back and I look at our conversation, I'm like, God, we're so blunt. Or I get off the phone and Frank's like, that was such a blunt conversation. I'm like, yeah, but we got it because that's just how, I, I don't need a friend to go, honey, you know, and, and airy fairy it up. I, I just literally tell her how she needs to think of the situation and get over it, you know? And so we, we can just talk to each other like that. You're not going to have another relationship in your life like that. You know, your partner's never going to do that for you. Your kids will never be able to do that for you. So it is a really treasured thing to be able to have a twin, you know, as much as it, it can be difficult, it's definitely you know, special. And I think you will see that with your kids as they grow up. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful relationship to watch. See, and here's my husband giving me coffee because he went and brought my daughter out for her doctor's appointment. <laughs> He's an awesome guy. And you want to see my son? Say hi. <laughs> okay, no, don't disturb my iPad toys. We usually have like black bears around here. Grizzlies are crazy, but usually black bears. They could, like, if you sneak up on them or if it's a mama bear, they get kind of aggressive, but usually they run away when they hear people, thank God. That, that is terrifying to me. Although right now in Brisbane, it's like magpie season. And like literally every day I walk the dog, I get attacked by a magpie. I actually have to wear like triple hats so it doesn't get into my skull. Um, but they just like dive down and peck your head. And I was at this lake the other day with my husband and he decided to take the kids to the lake and he left me. And they, they know when you're alone. They know when your pack is gone. And all I hear is this whoosh, whoosh, the wings, yeah? And you I'm, can't look up at them because they can pluck your eye. That happened to my nurse's uncle. Come to Australia where you have to fight to live. But you know, like the kids, they wear their bike hats. They wear bike hats with, um, you know, cable ties, like sticking up so that the birds can't swoop them. But I've got severely, like, bruised with a hematoma on my scalp from a swooping magpie. It just kept coming. And I was running, and I knew that I couldn't look up in case it pecked my eye. So I'm just running and crying. And I think that was my... <laughs> and nobody helps you because they don't want to get pecked. So I'm like... It's horrifying. But the, re the reason why they do it is that they've got a nest and they're protecting their young. But literally, the, the, the span of area that you're not allowed to go near their nest is ridiculous. Like this thing suits me all the way down to the lake. I'm like, I think I've passed your radius now. I need like a saucepan. So I can rub my saucepan. I was like in tears and I was running to the lake with like my kid's hat on like just covering and screaming. And my husband looks up and he's laughing his head off. He goes, oh, is it a magpie? I'm like, that's so not funny. <laughs> Almost died, honey. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Cats' lives are unique. Their protection should be too. That's why you should choose Nobavac vaccines for one-of-a-kind protection for every kind of lifestyle. Choose the best. Choose Nobavac vaccines. So the next thing, like what's the next big plan? Like what's next for both of you? Definitely I'd love to see the scrub business grow. 
it's a bit exciting because it's different for us. We're in a very service-based industry and it's it's a product-based industry. So I'm learning how to do business that way, but I'd love to see it grow because I feel like that's giving back to the vet world and to essential workers. You know, we spend a lifetime giving back to animals and just to be able to actually reward the people who do that, that's a big thing for me now. And then obviously I'd hope to develop anything to do with kids and education. That's a big thing for me and Ali as well. And you never know what's going to happen next because seriously, we might come to America. <laughs> come to America. <laughs> you can hunt our bears. <laughs> we, we, can go, um, just, we can start treating bears, diversify. So if anybody wants to follow you, contact you, where can they find you? So the Scrubs is called 21 Scrubs, just one word and the number 21. Um, we've got Instagram, social media, as well as just 21scrubs.com. And then our personal accounts, is just Dr. Audrey Shen and Dr. Allison Shen on Instagram and Facebook. And on there, it's literally our life. I put a lot of stories on because it's easier for me to quickly film little snippets uh, but it's, you know, little things about what we do during the day, not just vet stuff and filming stuff as well. And hopefully in a couple of months, we can actually reunite and film something together. We've been filming in different states, which has been weird because the show was based on Aussie Mobile Vet and the Vet Twins, but we've had to separate. So we're getting so many comments like, what's happened to Audrey? What's happened to Allison? Are you going to they, they think we're fought and we're like having a stand down or something because we're not together anymore. I can see all the comments. So that's on YouTube. There's a Bondi Vet YouTube channel. So you can see all the vets that are part of the Bondi Vet show. And there's a few things on there about me and Allison and the reunion we were talking about. But yeah, certainly in the last couple of months, people are like, why aren't they filming together anymore? What happened? Yeah, but that gets people watching more. People love the drama. It brings them in. <laughs> in the US, you've got to be, got to either do crazy stuff or, you know, be have super crazy drama for people to watch your show. It can't just be like nice and peachy all the time. You gotta have the drama. It's like, you know, snooky and crazy things like that. <laughs> so thank you both so much for joining me today. And I hope our listeners loved talking to our friends across the other pond <laughs> over here in Australia. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vet Candy IRL. And I'm your host, Shannon Gregoire. See ya! Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.